Before we start this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. If you're studying for the Foreign Service Officer Test like us, we have a great study tool for you. Besides listening to our podcast, we also use FSO Compass. On FSO Compass, you can find practice tests for every section, comprehensive courses that guide you through the entire application process, and you can even connect with other aspiring U.S. diplomats. The resources have really helped us prepare, and we hope they help you too. To access FSO Compass and get 10% off your annual subscription, be sure to use the link in our description box. Good luck! everybody and welcome back to another episode of how did we not know that my name's jack and i'm nat and today nat is going to uh, tell us about the history of russia i believe because i peeked at your docs (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah today i'm talking about rasputin and the last russian emperor Rasputin or Rasputin? Oh, I thought it was Rasputin. Putin? 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 <laughs> uh, I only ask because in Just Dance 3, there's that song called Rasputin, and it goes, Ra, Ra, Rasputin, lover of the Russian queen. What? <laughs> Wait, okay, actually, I'm gonna like check this. <laughs> okay, apparently it's Rasputin. But I guess maybe in that one song, they were just, like... Rasputin. They probably just tried to make it rhyme. Yeah, because poutine is, like, the food, the Canadian food. It's very good, but... Oh, I do like Putin. Or not Putin, <laughs> poutine. <laughs> Someone's going to take, like, that audio clip. Ray is going to come back for me during my campaign. Right, exactly. <sighs> okay, so, anyway, so, besides the Just Dance 3 song, what have you heard about Rasputin? So, from the song, he is, um, no, actually, I do know a little bit. I think he was a shaman, as the people would say. So, he was, like, a medicine man and a bit of a psychic, and I think he was guiding or giving guidance to the Russian family, and he said, if you ever betray me or don't listen to me, you will all die or something like that. He gave a prophecy like that, and then sure enough, I think something happened to him, and then the entire family met, like, its downfall, so. Wow, that's exactly, that's the whole story. Okay, thanks everyone for listening. (laughs) I'm totally just kidding. No, yeah, but you, like, got it, like, exactly correct. Like, um, he, yeah, he was, like, this weird, not, sorry, not weird, but, like, he had this very, like, mysterious aura to him. And he was, like, this mystical healer. Um, and, yeah, he did warn the Russian imperial family that they, yeah, that if they ever left him, they would die. And, yeah, so let's see how that turned out. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so you know a lot. Because he's, like, a really big figure, I feel, like, in, not, like, pop culture, but I feel like a lot of people know about Rasputin, even if they don't know a lot about Russian history. Yeah, I think you've heard the name, surely. Yeah, yeah, because just because he's like a wild character, but his name, so his name is Grigory Rasputin, and he was born in Siberia in 1869, and he was raised as a peasant, and later, like when he was younger, I think around 19 years old, he married a local woman named Praskovia Dobrovina, 
Good job on that. These are these are my people, so I have to work on the pronunciation. Are you Russian? I'm like you. Okay, my family says we're Ukrainian, but <gasps> like the borders change, you know. So I'm, we nah. I literally am also. My great grandpa was born on the border of the Ukraine and formerly Czechoslovakia, but he identifies as Slovakian. Oh my gosh, are you serious? We're one in the same. We're the same. <laughs> what if we're like long lost cousins or? <laughs> probably, probably. Oh my gosh. But yeah, um, so, okay, so he fathered three surviving children, and him and his family lived and worked on the farm together, but then in 1892, he left the farm to spend um, several months at a monastery, and there, he earned the nickname The Mad Monk, and technically, he wasn't actually a monk, because he never actually took the holy orders, Um, and also, like, he was very passionate about religion but he like his um i guess like his personal life conflicted a lot with his like religious piety um so like he continued to see his wife and family even though most holy men usually give up their past lives once they join the monastery and he was like known like everyone knew he was a very big fan of alcohol and brothels like he was always drunk and always having affairs like he did not try to keep it secret that's not just for monks that's like a general thing yeah yeah like he yeah so he is like oh i'm a a holy man and people are like maybe not and he had a very what denomination can i ask uh russian orthodox okay so rasputin had a very memorable personality and his passion for religion, as well as his strong charisma, brought him to the attention of some like Russian Orthodox clergymen and other senior members of the imperial family. And through those connections, he was then introduced to Tsar Nicholas II and his wife Alexandra. So before I get into that, I just want to like give a background about what Russia is like at this time. Um, when... Basically, Russia was in political turmoil when Nicholas II became czar in 1894. And also, like, czar is just, like, kind of another word for emperor. It's, like, the Russian word. Um, And so he became czar in 1894. His father had ruled Russia with an iron fist. He was uh, not a great guy. He forced everyone in the empire to speak Russian, even though, like, there are several languages spoken there and then there's no freedom of the press and then there were also very weak political institutions kind of like we talked about in the middle east episode like the judicial system was very corrupt and all that classic stuff (laughs) and so nicholas ii was not prepared and he didn't want to become czar actually like when he was crowned he asked his advisor What is going to happen to me, to all of Russia? I'm not prepared to be czar. I never wanted to become one. So he, yeah, it's kind of sad. He was like, he really didn't want the position, but he was the heir to the throne. So what age was he when he had to take over? He was 26. Okay. Like you're grown enough. I guess your dad didn't talk to you about his dad. No, his dad like really didn't have a good relationship with him. And like, he did not prepare him a lot. So, okay. yeah, so he was just, like, he was starting off at a low point, like, mm-hmm. um, 
He was not happy to be there. And then, so he assumes power. He's 26, so he's pretty young. And he is not really well-liked by the Russian people. So while he's czar, they, uh, Russia gets involved in the Russo-Japanese War. They're fighting Japan. And the people, there wasn't a lot of public support for this war. Like, they didn't agree with it. And they didn't like that they were, like, fighting and risking all their lives and resources. Japan won this war. Sorry. So they also, like, lost this unpopular war. So they're even more pissed. Um, And then later in 1905, Nicholas II's government massacred about 100 unarmed protesters during a peaceful assembly. So the public, they're like, what the heck? You're awful. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, And then, like, on top of this, he didn't have a civil relationship with with the Duma. And the Duma is, like, the Russian equivalent of Congress. Um, It's, like, their representative branch. And so he didn't have a good relationship with them. They were like, we hate you, too. (laughs) Oh no. Wait, so is this Russian Russian government is um constitutional monarchy? Yes. Yeah, so okay. they have like the emperor and then they also have a representative branch. Okay. Yeah. Why does everyone not like him? Does he like just do a terrible job when he starts? Yeah, like well he's like fighting all these wars and then killing all these like innocent civilians. Um, and he's just, like, I don't think he's a very good, like, public speaker. He just doesn't have, like, that charisma about him because, like, he's also, like, pretty young. And he's just, like, unenthusiastic. Like, people can tell, I think, that he doesn't want to be there. And they're, like, okay. And they're starting to get sick of the monarchy. They're, like, we, like, why are you even ruling us then? Like, just leave. (laughs) Um, so that, that comes into play later. Um, and, like, I think the one of the biggest uh, reasons for people's hatred towards him was uh, in 1914 when Russia was drawn into World War I, but they were very unprepared to fight. And Russia actually suffered the largest number of deaths in World War I. And this is literally insane. Like, I can't comprehend how many people died. So there were 1.8 million military deaths. And then 1.5 million civilian deaths. So literally 3.2 million Russians died in World War I. Oh my god. So people, like, so Russia is in shambles at the time. And they're, like, blaming the emperor. Yeah. Wow. Why, why so many civilians? Were they just, like, there was just battles, like, in civilian area? Yeah, I think so. I weren't there like black, oh my gosh. I need to like refresh my memory on World War 1 history, but I think there weren't there like a lot of blockades and then a lot of people like died of starvation because oh, like didn't like Germany. Yes. Or was it World War 2? Oh gosh, I'm Probably sorry. Probably both. both yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think a lot of people died from starvation, which and like famine. Okay. Which is awful. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I heard about this. It was like, yeah, basically that the the army was like, did not learn how to fight at all. So they kind of just like got led into massacre. And then, yeah, yeah, that just like, they were, they were not prepared to fight because they recently lost like the Russo-Japanese war. And then Mm. 
then they enter World War One, which is like, oh shoot, then it's like, wait, what was the Russo-Japanese War about? Were they fighting off of, for land or what? Yeah, I think it was like territorial. Cause there's like a disputed island. Yeah, it's the Kuril. Oh, Kuril the Kuril Islands. Yeah. Everyone should read Silly Isles and then read the chapter about the Kuril Islands. Cause it's, or just like do your own research because it's very interesting. Because both Japan and Russia claim the island. The Silly Isles by Eric Campbell. Yeah. He's a it's great a, journalist. It's a fun read and then you learn a lot too, so... Yeah, so this is basically, that's this is what Russia looks like at the time. And they're not in a good spot. And then, like, a lot of, again, like, there's a huge division between the peasantry and, like, the working class and then the noble elites of Russia. Like, there's a huge wealth gap. So the monarchy, like, all the peasants, a lot of the peasants hate the monarchy because they're, like, just like so extremely wealthy and they're living in like extreme lavish and they're like what the heck I can barely afford my next meal and like here you are in this palace so there people are upset about that and so let me let me get into the imperial family now so basically the imperial family consisted of Nicholas II his wife Alexandra and their four daughters Olga Maria Tatiana and Anastasia and then their only son, Alexei, who was the heir to the throne. And Alexei suffered from hemophilia, which is a rare dis- disorder where your blood doesn't clot. So, like, if he got even, like, a tiny cut, he would bleed to death. Yeah. I think that's known as the royal disease because it yeah. happens a lot in royal families because of the inbreeding for pure blood. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so he has hemophilia, and he's he had been in poor health since he was born, and the imperial couple had consulted more, like, unconventional spiritual spiritual advisors before, but when they met Rasputin, everything changed. Rasputin's healing process proved to be beneficial to Alexei's condition, and they saw, like, immediate improvements in his health. So they had, like, gone through all these doctors, all these spiritual healers, and then nothing had worked. Finally, Rasputin came, and they saw progress in Alexei's condition, and they were like, oh my gosh, like, you are amazing, you know? What did he do? Do you know? Yeah, so I'll tell you right now. So basically, like, there are a lot of myths surrounding Rasputin, and one of those myths is that he had magical healing powers. Um, Obviously, like, or sorry, I shouldn't say obviously. Um, This is not actually true. Uh, Many historians believe that the reason Alexei's condition improved was because Rasputin insisted that other doctors stay away from him, and because of limited knowledge on medicine at the time, Russian doctors were giving him aspirin. They were just prescribing Alexei aspirin to cure his disease, and because that was kind of known as the cure-all at the time. But aspirin actually thins the blood, which makes his hemophilia condition worse. So then once the doctor stopped giving him aspirin, they were able to see like improvement. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the reason why his condition improved. And also just like Rasputin's personality and his aura like painted this picture of success because he was able to read the couple's inner hopes and like he told them exactly what they wanted to hear and he especially he formed like a really 
uh, tight relationship with Alexandra. He was able to soothe all her anxieties, and he encouraged Nicholas to have more confidence in his role as a czar. So, like, he knew all of their weaknesses, basically, and, like, he was like, no, I'm here to help you. Like, you need me, you know. Uh, yeah, he's just, like, a modern-day therapist. <laughs> basically. Person. Basically, he he knew how to, like, work with people, and he knew how to get what he wanted from people, so, um, and so this is, like, kind of where his role as a healer transitions to, like, a much more powerful figure in the Imperial Court, because, like, he's just there to cure Alexi, but, um, like, obviously he stayed for a lot longer, so there are also a lot of myths around this topic, a lot of people think that he was like a secret puppet master for the imperial couple and actually secretly ran Russia. And like because of his odd nature and then his constant presence in the royal court, rumors about this spread very quickly within Russia and everyone was like, what is he up to? Like, he, this guy is so suspicious. Um, in reality, like he did offer military advice occasionally to Nicholas II, but it like, his ideas never actually helped him, like, it never actually proved to be, like, good ideas, so, yeah, he didn't have, like, huge influence over the military. However, he did have a lot of influence over Alexandra, and Nicholas was away fighting a lot, um, like, fighting all these wars, and so Rasputin did have enough time to appoint his own church ministers and other public officials, and Alexandra would dismiss ministers who were skeptical of Rasputin, so there was, like, he did have a lot of influence in that regard. And so, obviously, this really upset the other Russian elites and nobles, which comes into play later. So I really like reading, like, old Russian literature, like Anna Karenina and, like, Brother Karamazov. And, like, in all these books, like, they just really, <laughs> they really uh, crap on <laughs> the Russian elites, basically. Because at this time, like, the nobles have so much influence over the imperial family and like they're all like cousins and they're all trying to like gain power and like rule Russia and yeah so it's like pretty corrupt at the time and it's uh not very democratic so yeah again like peasants really hated that aspect of the monarchy um and yeah and then before I move on there are also like a lot of rumors that Rasputin was having a secret affair with Alexandra but there's actually no evidence of this, and these rumors about their like relationship, they also began early, and they spread very quickly throughout Russia because like of his reputation for like sexual deviancy and his frequent visits to brothels. Um, he was also having affairs with other high society ladies, and while. Alexandra did embroider shirts for him and she and her friends were invited to his home sometimes like there's no actual evidence that they were having an affair so okay so that line in the song is just speculation where they said he was the lover of the Russian queen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's like kind of like people like joke about it now and they're like oh that's why he had so much influence and it's like mm, I don't know I don't think it was true like, just a lot of rumors. There, there's just a, so many rumors about him because he was such a weird, unpredictable guy and, like, people didn't know the extent of, like, his, like, powers. They thought he was, like, this magical man, so... 
Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of this is happening behind closed doors, so no one really knows unless you're there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, that's true, like, well, we don't really know, but, yeah. And so, yeah, that's kind of, like, a big, uh, like, an important thing to remember about Rasputin is that the Russian people were scared of him because they didn't know who he was. Like, he called himself a holy man, even though he had... He had no formal affiliation with the Russian Orthodox Church, and he was very passionately religious, but he was also a huge drunk, and he was constantly having affairs with women. And then he declared himself the self-appointed representative of the Russian peasantry, but he was also like living with the imperial family like in this palace, and so they're like, okay, you're not really a peasant anymore. And so nobody knew what was true and what was false, what was myth, what was fact. Yeah, and, like, the extent of his grip on the imperial family. So it was really easy for rumors to be spread about him. And so after the Russian Revolution, which, like, spoiler alert, it's happening soon, and I'll talk about it later, but um, his life was exaggerated and embellished by his enemies in order to propagandize his life and kind of make him into this, like, evil villain, like, this evil sorcerer, you know? So a lot of oh. a lot of aspects of his life have been exaggerated a lot and that's like kind of the image that has stuck over time, you know? Cuz like the- Okay, but people did that. I guess people did that <clears throat> to um like get the local Russians to not like support him. Like what's the point of doing that? Well, okay, yeah, his enemies were like oh, like, look at this guy who has this control over the imperial couple, and he's actually the one who decides what's, go on, what's going on in Russia, like, not the people. And they're like, oh, the imperial family is so corrupt. So that's kind of, they're like, they were corrupted by this evil sorcerer guy. So I think that's what his enemies oh, were saying. Oh, it's like propaganda for overthrowing, <clears throat> excuse me, the monarchy? Yes, yeah. Okay. And I'll, like, go more into detail, because that's like, oh, it gets complicated, but... Yeah, but that's, like, his enemies, that was his enemies' argument, kind of. Um, And so, yeah, like, another reason why these rumors spread so quickly about Rasputin was because Nicholas II had actually given a lot more rights to the press, so they were free to print all these rumors about Rasputin. And it was not only in Russia, it was overseas as well, like, a lot of people knew about him, just because he was, like, this wild guy, and, like, a lot of people wanted to read about him, you know? Um, there were even rumors that he was committing treason with a German enemy and he had started the cholera epidemic in St. Petersburg, but, like, this is obviously not true. Is it? Is yeah. it? We don't really know. Did he? Um, I mean, yeah, that could be another, like, conspiracy theory. <laughs> Did Rasputin start the cholera epidemic? But, yeah, it, like, to me, it's, like, it sounds like it's, like, tabloid magazines, you know, and he's, like, the first like, celebrity, where they're, like, spreading all these, like, crazy rumors, like, oh my god, what's he gonna do next, or, like, who is Rasputin, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That's how I imagine it. So, uh, Rasputin was a very controversial person, and he was hated by a lot of people, so elites hated him because of the influence he had over the imperial couple, and how he ruined the reputation of the monarchy, because it just made them look silly they're like oh they're weak they can let this crazy guy come and like take over you know yeah and then puppets and stuff yeah and but then again did it really make them look worse because from the sound of it they didn't 
look that good. At least Nicholas wasn't <laughs> yeah. doing too hot before Rasputin. Well, I think, like, the big problem with him was, like, at the time, the Russian Orthodox Church is has a lot of power in Russia. And, like, Russians are very religious. And so Rasputin, like, represented a lot of different sins. And so they're like, oh, this sinful man is in the monarchy. Like, he's destroying the purity of the monarchy you know because like even if you don't agree with the imperial family like couples politics and like nicholas ii's decisions you know like this was like different because they're like oh this sinful man is like corrupting the monarchy um yeah so and then like nobles hated him because they are used to having control over the couple, but then now Rasputin has, like, kind of, like, claimed his territory. So they're like, what the heck, now the couple's not listening to us, they're listening to this random guy. And also, like, <laughs> this is, like, wild. In June 1914, a beggar woman stabbed Rasputin in the stomach because he was, quote-unquote, preying on the innocent. So, like, I don't even want to know. It was probably, he was probably being an awful person. Um, So she literally goes up to him, stabs him. He's, like so close to death at one point he's like bleeding out and he's like about to die but somehow he still makes a full recovery and he's like fine like he survives it what? and people are like he's like a character literally <laughs> i'm like this guy does not sound real and so people are like oh my god it's because he's magic you know okay and so <laughs> this kind of like feeds into all like the the myths about him um and so well uh, yeah how did he if he's bleeding out i don't know it's just like a medical miracle i guess like especially at the the opposite of hemophilia and then he's like blood clots so fast (laughs) his blood clots so fast he has all this extra blood but yeah well okay (laughs) just wait until like listen to what i'm about to tell you because like if you think that is wild the story of his murder is literally insane i like could not believe it when i was reading it So, basically, on December 30th, 1916, Felix Yusupov, which I I know I'm mispronouncing that last name, um, he's the richest man in Russia, and he's also the husband of Nicholas II's only niece. So, he's tied to the family. And so, he invites Rasputin over to his house to have dinner with him and his friends. And Yusupov, he was very privileged, and he lived a pretty aimless life. Like, he was just some rich guy you know and he thought that getting rid of Rasputin would give Nicholas II a final chance to restore the reputation and prestige of the monarchy and then the Tsar would be open to advice of his extended family and nobles like Yusupov again so he's like okay we need to get rid of this guy and he also just like wanted to reinvent himself as a patriot and a man of action because he was like I'm doing this for the betterment of Russia, like, I'm doing this for the Russian people, because, like, people, he didn't, he, like, refused to fight in the wars, like, he didn't serve, and people were like, okay, you're trash, <laughs> so he's like, no, I'm actually, like, doing stuff. Um, yeah, but even, like, with Rasputin advising the monarchy, did the situation get better for common people in Russia, or no? Um, not, like, to my knowledge, not really, like, Rasputin kind of disappointed people who like his allies he appointed them to like official positions so he like he wasn't really there for the russian people he wasn't like oh i'm here to make the working class better he was kind of just there to benefit him his own self it's like oh i need to get my allies in place so 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So either way, like, I don't think that's super patriotic. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to benefit from it. Yeah. So. Well, but here's the thing. is like Yusupov is thinking from the perspective of a noble person. He's like, oh, I'm doing this for the nobles of Russia. Like, all the... Okay, not for the common people. All right, that's a care. different definition of patriotism. Yeah, yeah. So I have, it's, so. yeah. <laughs> it's more like classism. He's like, he does not care about the working yeah. class Russian people. Um, which, again, yeah. like, this is what Russia is like at the time. It's very divided, which we'll get into in a bit. But, okay, so... That Russia, sucks. Yeah. Well, also, too... Sorry, going no. back, you said there were, like, seven different languages before they were forced to speak Russian, so, yeah, yeah. it sounds like it's not this big monolithic not country where everyone is, like, united to start. Not at all, it's just, like, this huge empire, and, like, Russia is so big, like, each region is so different, like, there's different languages, different religions, different cultures, and so it's hard to unite the people as a whole which is like that kind of explains like russian politics and like russian history is like how do we unite all these people but um mm-hmm. yeah what's the population on russia it's not huge let me google it there are 144.5 million people in russia which is not that's like a third of the u.s's population and russia is huge but a lot of it is uninhabitable because it's so freaking cold so yeah, <laughs> you can't live there like forest and stuff yeah but yeah so it's like and everyone's very spread out too so it's also harder to unite people um and yeah so Rasputin goes to dinner at Yusupov's house and a few days later his battered body is found in the Neva river and so yeah yeah it's wild and so the details of his murder are a bit unclear so, in his 1928 memoir, memoir, Yusupov actually wrote about how he and his friends killed Rasputin, because, like, to him, yeah, because to him, he was like, this, I did a good deed for the country, and, like, a lot of people ended up, all the other elites, like, praised him for it. They're like, you did a great thing, like, good job. Like, he didn't serve any time, you know? Oh, like, my this gosh! Is like, yeah. And so, he said, basically, what he said happened was that, he served Rasputin a platter of cakes and several glasses of wine that had been poisoned with potassium cyanide. And to his surprise, Rasputin was unaffected by the poison. So him and his friends are like, uh, okay, I guess we gotta go to plan B. So then they just start pulling out the revolvers and they shoot Rasputin multiple times and he like collapses to the ground. But then when they're like dragging his body out, he like revives and he tries to <laughs> escape. And they're like, what the heck? We still can't kill Stop. you. So then, like, this part is, like, kind of awful. They beat Rasputin viciously, and then they tie him up and throw him into the freezing cold river because it's, like, December, you know? And they said that he was still alive when he threw when they threw him in the river. And then that he died by drowning. I would be like, this is a... It's a demon. Yeah. Kill it. <laughs> well, that's... I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. So people are like, oh my god, this guy was not human. Like, he is some, like, demon, right? Like, that's a reasonable response to that. (gasps) Ooh, scary. (laughs) He's actually a demon. Oh my god, he's got chills. Well, okay, well, listen to this, listen to this. Because a year later, Rasputin's daughter, 
who, fun fact, so she flees Russia after the revolution, and then she becomes a circus lion tamer, which is like, what the heck? What is this story? <laughs> um, so she Live your best life. I didn't know yeah. he had a daughter. Yeah, he had three children. Oh. But he, she writes her own book, and she said, a year later, and she says that Yusupov, his story is fake. She said that her father hated sweets, so he would never have eaten the food. And she also pointed out that the autopsy showed that he died from gunshots to the head from a close range and not from, like, drowning in the river. And so she argued that Yusupov just wanted to turn the murder into a story about good versus evil to sell books and also improve his reputation. Like, oh, don't worry, guys, I got rid of this evil demon. Like, you can thank me, you know? (laughs) And okay, so, and she's me. like, yeah, I was convinced. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Dude, me too. Because like, was a demon. Yeah, but the okay, first time I read sense. it, I was like, what the heck? Like, that's wild. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's probably fake. Um, so yeah, so mm-hmm. people think that, like, he was just shot in the head, and then they threw him into the river. Like, his dead body. Yeah. Um, my god. <laughs> I know, sorry. So like, terrible. It's, like, kind of gruesome. Well, okay, yeah, well... It's going to get a little bit worse later when we get to, like, the Romanov family. It's I, not done. <laughs> I know. I Like, I'm almost done, though. But, um, yeah, we still okay. got to... Just, a, like, a tiny little bit. But, no so, rush. It's fine. It's interesting. <laughs> so, responses to his death were pretty mixed because the elites were happy. And, like I said earlier, they were, like, praising the killers. Um, but, actually, like, his death... Rasputin's death didn't lead to radical changes in Nicholas and Alexandra's politics. Like, they were like, oh, Russia's going to be better now. And, like, that didn't really happen. And then peasants mourned him as one of their own. They saw his murder as yet another example of the nobles controlling the Tsar. Um, and to the Bolsheviks, which, recap, like, Bolsheviks are, like, Russian... It's the word for communists. So they're the communist group in Russia. And so they believe that Rasputin symbolized the corruption of the imperial court. And they said that his murder was seen as an attempt by the nobility to hold on to power at the continued expense of the proletariat. And the proletariat is another word for a working class. So they're like, Rasputin was working class, and the nobles killed him for their own benefits. Like, we don't like the nobles like let's overthrow them so that's so actually like after the revolution the provisional government leader his name was alexander kerensky he actually said that without rasputin there would have been no lenin so like vladimir lenin was the leader of the bolsheviks in this russia in this in this revolution um so i like i'm just gonna do like a quick one minute overview of the russian revolution of 1917 so remember how we talked about earlier, Rasputin was like, if I die, you guys are all going down, like, to the imperial family. Fifteen months later, um, his prophecy comes true. So basically, the Bolsheviks, which are led, they're led by Vladimir Lenin, they seize power and they overthrow the Duma and also the Romanov dynasty. And the dynasty had been ruling for over 300 years. Um, and so they... Okay, course. I'm yeah. so sorry. No. Um, what's a dynasty? If they're overthrowing multiple dynasties, isn't that just, like, time periods? or? It's, like, the dynasty is, like, one royal family. Like, like the monarchy is, like, oh. the kingdom as a whole, but then the dynasty, there's, like, the 
why can't I think of any other like oh it's are, like related bloods to yeah like the families like there's okay. like the British who are like what's the current British dynasty I don't know what their last name is the William yeah but like what's no, his <laughs> first, first name, name. <laughs> what are they like the Princess Diana yeah <laughs> Diana Meghan Markle yeah but I don't know why I'm blanking on in every dynasty name. But basically, it's like, oh, like, this one family. Like, that's the name for their whole, like, family. So the Romanovs is, like, the one linear family that they've passed down the throne to for 300 years. So they've been ruling for, like... Oh, like, Chinese dynasty. Like, there's, like, what? Like, the Ming dynasty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, that's... The dynasty, I thought, was, like, a time period. I didn't realize that it's, like, a bloodline. Well, it's the bloodline, but it's been used to mark different time periods. Because normally, mm-hmm. like, when you switch okay. dynasties, when you switch families, that's because, like, you're switching, like, political views and goals. Oh! You know? Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So... How did I not know that? <laughs> How did I not know that? But yeah, so they, the Bolsheviks overthrow the Romanov dynasty, and they later become the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. And so Nicholas II was dethroned, and his family was imprisoned, and they tried to gain asylum in France or Britain, because Alexandra was actually the granddaughter of Queen Victoria, um, but they were refused. Um... Okay, I I'm just gonna. They were refused, but she's the granddaughter yeah. of Queen Victoria. Yeah, it's like very scandalous. It's like what the heck? Wow. They really just like turned their back on them. But they didn't. No one thought that they would be killed. Um, basically, they were like the family was put into exile. They were like imprisoned. But at first, like they were just taken to another like huge house, and they took like forty of their servants with them, and they could take like most of their belongings. So they're like okay, you're not in power, but, like, you could still kind of live a comfortable life. Um, This lasted for a little bit, and then they kept getting moved from house to house. Eventually, they ended up at at this one house, Epatiev house. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, And this is where things, like, take a turn for the worse. They show up to this house. They can't bring any of their servants with. There are no bed linens. It was very dusty. There weren't enough plates or silverware. And a wall had been built around the house so they couldn't see, like, outside. You, you're you just, like, in this prison. And they were, like, hassled a lot by the soldiers. So they were like, okay. But even then, they didn't think they would actually be murdered. Um, okay, s- honestly, though, that living situation, I'm pretty sure there are some peasants living that way, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, like, yeah... That's true. Um, But yeah, so I'm not going to get into the details about their murder. I'm just because it's like. Oh, please do. Why not? Okay, it's like really gruesome. But uh, like, I will just give an overview because, like, if you'd like to learn more, you can look it up. But the details are like really painful to hear. But basically, on July 17th, 1918, the Romanov family is awoken and they're told to prepare for another move. And all of a sudden, the soldiers just start shooting at them. Um, and, like, they're in this tiny room. And you can see photos of the room after. It's, like, horrifying. Um, they're, like, this is, like, back in the old days when guns are, like, really weird and they don't work all the time. And so they're, like, shooting at them, but they're unsuccessful. Um, like, they don't kill them right away. You know, like, they maybe, like... The bullets will hit them, but, like, they won't be fatal shots. 
Wait, let me just make sure my, my facts yeah, are yeah. correct. So, Nicholas... Is Nicholas already murdered or no? No. So, they're... Like, okay. all seven of them are in the same room. Like, they're all together. Okay. In this tiny room. All right, room. so the Bolsheviks are like, get out of here. And they get out, and they're fleeing to all these houses. Right? Yeah. And then the Bolsheviks... Well, get yeah. Get them at this house. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, sorry. Okay, yeah. so now they're at this house, and they're like, now let's kill them. Yeah. And it was very, like, Why? out of the... Well, that's, like... I mean, there's a lot of speculation. Like, people are also, like, so confused. Like, why did they shoot them all of a sudden? Um, like, it really doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense. Like, why they would kill them all? Um, and, like, just, like, their death is really sad because, like, shooting doesn't work. So then they start, like, beating and, like, stabbing the family members. And it's really sad because, like, they don't want to kill the children at first. Like, so they go after their parents, but then they're like, okay, the children have to die. So, like, the children, like, kind of witness everything. What? No one had to die. I know. But, like, literally, like, so this attack lasts 20 minutes. So can you imagine? (gasps) It's, like, it's not, like, just a quick kill. Like, it's That's and it's They're, like... Literally, like, you have to watch your parents get killed, yeah. and then they're gonna kill you, and you're a child. That's terrible. That's literally so sad. My friend told me that Russian history is depressing. That's horrible. I don't care what, like, what the royal family did. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's, like, not okay yeah, to do. It's not, oh my god, it's not excusable at all. It's such a gruesome death, and, like, they're like they're trying to cover up. They don't want anyone to know what happened. Like the like the people killed them. They're like no one can ever know what happened to the family. And so this is what's wild. Is like at first they only told the public that Nicholas II was killed. They didn't say that the rest. Of, they just said the rest of the family was still like imprisoned. And the death, the details of their deaths as well as the locations of their bodies weren't known by the public until the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991. So, like, this whole time period, like, people didn't know what went down. They were, like, the family just went missing. And, like, because of this, there's so many, there were so many rumors that some of the daughters escaped, um, especially Anastasia, which, like, there's a whole Disney movie about it. Like, geez, Louise. Um, and so a lot <laughs> of people claim to be, like, the, like the Romanov children. Um, and, like, there's, like, one girl who, like, was like really famous for like she was like I'm Anastasia like I'm I had to hide in captivity but then DNS DNA tests later proved that these claims were false and like they tested the remains of the bodies and they're like no these are like all the Romanov family oh my god yeah wait how did they find out where the bodies were later though after the fall of the Soviet Union like because oh, I, I mean when did when did the murders happen like the 40s 50s? no it was 1918 yeah. So forever ago. Yeah. So how would they even have so a record of it? And yeah, how would they think, find the dead bodies for the DNA test? Um, well, I think, okay, if I remember correctly, I think, I guess, like, just people in the government, like, knew, and it was, like, top secret. I don't know. And, like, oh they just, like, didn't tell the public. So I guess people in the government still knew. But then, like, when they were trying to find the remains of the bodies, they had put the bodies in, like, two separate graves to, like, split up the family, so then, like, it'd be harder to find the remains, and I think, like, they had found one grave, but it took a lot longer to find the second one, um, yeah, so it is really, but now the remains have been collected, and they're, like, buried 
somewhere in Russia and like a nice place but it's it's so depressing so Russian history is depressing is depressing but like again the Bolsheviks so kind of just to wrap everything up like the Bolsheviks saw the monarchy as a cancer that made it impossible for the working class to rise um they were like we there's no way for the peasants to have a better life if there's still a monarchy in place um ironically the death the death of nicholas ii overshadowed lenin's victories in the russian revolution and so it took up more space in the newspapers everyone was focused about the fact that nicholas ii had been killed and it actually made many russians yearn for the monarchy so they're like even if they didn't like him while he was alive they felt bad that he had been like murdered and so it kind of proved to be counterproductive um and but like obviously it had a huge that was the last russian emperor there are no more uh like emperors anymore um it's a completely different country now and so like it went from a monarchy to like the soviet union <laughs> so um yeah. it's just a wild change um- you said that they went for like multiple dynasties so did they murder the other dynasties no so like like, bloodlines no um i don't i don't know if they like killed other members of like their cousins or anything but it's like they just ended the romanov dynasty so the romanov dynasty had been ruling for 300 years like so this family like they passed it down from son to son so after 300 years like the whole dynasty was put to an end because there's no more heir, you know? So there's no more Romanovs in the world, if that makes sense. Wow. No, but literally, it's such a, it's a depressing story, but, like, it's just, if you think about, like, if you're a Russian, like, if you live in Russia at the time, can you imagine how wild this is? Because, like, the revolution like takes like about a year there's like a big one in february and then a big riot in october and then you go from like monarchy to soviet union and then the soviet union collapses later like i don't know russian history is just so wild it's so crazy like how much the country has changed in like just like a hundred years you know yeah to be fair yeah that's wild the monarchy was just like 1918 like that's yeah. nothing that's nothing um yeah it's, it's literally nothing it was like like yesterday almost <laughs> <laughs> but like hardly 100 years ago but um yeah i feel like though like the peasants for lack of a better word in mm-hmm. russia like you're more worried about just like how you're gonna get your next meal yeah so it's hard to yeah. like register these changes yeah, but then they're like, you know, the Bolsheviks are like, we're here for the working class people, whether you agree with, like, them or not, like, and whether you think it was successful or not, that's, like, a whole different thing, but it's just, like, a wild time in Russian history. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's the story of Rasputin and the last Russian emperor. So, sorry, it, like, took a depressing turn at the end. I'm going to try, like, I sw- I'm going to challenge myself. I need to pick a topic where there is no, like, death or despair. <laughs> like, I don't know why. It's it was- hard. <laughs> History yeah, is it's brutal. hard. I was looking at next topics, and basically all the ones are, like, wars. Dang. Um, well, 
Thank you so much, Nat, for yeah. covering that. This is probably one of my favorite episodes we have done. Yay. It was funny and sad at the same time. We love a good emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> This has been an episode of How Did We Not Know That. If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on all social media, including YouTube, at How Did We Not Know That. If you thought our podcast was low quality, we know. We thought so, too. Help us improve the podcast by contributing to our Patreon. Thank you for listening, and see you guys next week.